Hey everyone, and welcome to Off the Record, a show where we talk candidly on practical advice and provide insight on issues across the criminal law landscape. As counsel for the defense, we speak from a position of authority, giving you, our audience, the expert knowledge that you deserve. You'll hear from a variety of hosts with their unique experiences for our discussions, giving you the opportunity to learn something new and with a different point of view. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Off the Record. Today's episode is titled, Watch What You Say, Inadvertent Terrorist Threats and the Era of Social Media. My name is Austin Wallace. I'm an attorney and case manager at Imhoff & Associates, bringing what I think is a pretty interesting and exciting topic in the area of criminal law today, and that is the crime of terroristic or criminal threats and how that in the last few years has really begun to overlap with social media presences and social media interactions. I think to get started, an important thing to do is obviously define what criminal threats or terroristic threats are. And I use those two terms interchangeably, but they mean the same thing. Every jurisdiction in the country, every state, every county, municipality, even at the federal level, has criminal statutes that make it illegal to threaten violence towards other private citizens. And I'll refer to it as terroristic or criminal threats, but it literally means the same thing. So if I say one, I mean the other and vice versa. To define, I pulled the California Penal Code Statute. It's section 422. For anyone that wants to check it out, those of our listeners that are in other states or jurisdictions, I encourage you to look into the statutes for your jurisdiction or state to try to familiarize yourself with with the statute. But the California section reads that someone commits criminal threats when they willfully threaten to cause great bodily harm or death to another person that threat can be made orally it can be made in writing can even be made via electronic communication which obviously will be kind of the basis for our discussion today it has to be made in a way that could show the prospect or intention that it be carried out that being the threat and it has to place the person who's on the receiving end of the threat in fear of their own safety or the safety of others that's A lot of elements and legal jargon, which we as lawyers love, but the simple version of the statute is that you've committed this offense if you threaten someone, either orally, written, or via online communications, and that person is in fear that you may carry out this threat, that they're in fear of harm or being hurt or something like that. So along with the criminal and terroristic threats offenses, there's a lot of misconceptions that we as attorneys see with our clients, basically just a general misunderstanding of those statutes and what type of acts or offenses make up those statutes. The biggest one is people think that you actually have to do something or carry out an act or make some overt step towards hurting someone to be convicted of criminal threats and it's a huge misconception i call it the i didn't mean it defense and we see it with clients coming in and saying well i did say that i was angry i didn't mean it i would never hurt this person who i'm accused of threatening and if we look back to the statutes it doesn't require that you do anything and it doesn't require that you even fully intend to do what you're saying It's just that this other person went to law enforcement and said, hey, this person said this thing to me. 
I'm in fear. I'm worried that I'm in danger. And that's all it takes to be charged with this offense. I didn't mean and I didn't do it is not a sound offense, but we hear it all the time. So you have to be aware that you're not accused of hurting someone, you're accused of threatening to hurt someone, which is all that the statute requires. The other big misconception we see is the fact that a terroristic threat has to be covered by a traditional connotation of terrorism. Some states and jurisdictions still use that language in the statute. You've been charged with terroristic threats. Well, a lot of clients will say, I didn't do anything terroristic. I got in a fight with my neighbor or I got in a fight at the coffee shop with the barista making my order wrong. And it doesn't require these traditional notions of terrorism that you threaten to blow up a building or assassinate a, a politician. But yet that moniker of terroristic threats is still attached. So you have to be so cognizant of that because there's obviously terrible ideas that people have when they see that someone has been convicted of a terroristic threat when it really could have been an argument with a neighbor or out walking your dog and getting into it with someone or road rage. That's a classic example. So we have to be cognizant that there are really serious charges associated with what seem like mundane interactions. And I think that's one of the biggest things here is the negative impacts that someone is burdened by having a terroristic threats or even criminal threats conviction on your record is that the lay person who's doing a background check on you, they don't know that this was a silly disagreement or a verbal argument with a stranger. They're thinking the worst. And if you are applying for a job or you're getting a background check to apply for housing or an apartment or a private loan, if you're applying to coach your kid's little league team, you're probably getting a background check. And if you're applying to volunteer to coach third base and the little league finds that you have a conviction for terroristic threats, there's just no way. There's no way that you're going to be out there instructing the youth on how to dribble a basketball or throw a spiral because you've, you have this terrible or what is on paper a terrible conviction. We know that those convictions can be just due to, again, minor disagreements and things like that, but the average public doesn't know that, and so it's something to be super cognizant of. Obviously, that in and of itself is an interesting area of law. Criminal threats, It's we could talk all day about it, but we're really here to talk about how social media has taken a pre-existing area of law and made it completely different and changed it essentially overnight in the last decade. Traditionally, this was a type of charge that you'd be charged with if you were in an argument with another person in person. Granted, there's always been written versions of this, even on typewriters, people were typing out threats, I'm sure, but social media has changed things. And so what used to be a really difficult case to prosecute because it was he said, she said, is now way easier because of screenshots from social media posts or DM messages or threads of Snapchat or Instagram or Discord. That is hard as attorneys to defend against. If we're giving an example, let's say that I'm driving and I'm driving in traffic. I get cut off. I get in a disagreement with the other driver. We both pull over. We're jarring back and forth amongst each other. And I, in my rage and anger and stress from daily life, say, I'm going to mess you up, man. I'm going to kick your butt. That person calls police. They say, hey, 
Austin was driving down the freeway. We got into it and he said he was going to hurt me. Now put yourself in the shoes of law enforcement here. They have what that person said. They come to me. I say, well, I didn't say that. And all of a sudden law enforcement's hands are tied. They can't really know what happened and they don't have a whole lot of evidence to go off of. It's a classic. He said, she said now insert social media. And instead of pulled over on the side of the freeway, I make this threat to this guy on Facebook or Instagram, or even via text messages or emails. It's as quick and easy as easy as walking into a police station with his tablet and saying, here's what Austin said to me. I mean, you can't defend against that. It's taken away the ambiguity of these cases and put in what is very real, very concrete and almost irrefutable evidence. And so it is something to be very cognizant of. I think in the interest of our discussion, examples are important. I'll start from the top. The biggest example of this stems from what ultimately became a Supreme Court of the United States case started in 2010. A man, I believe from Pennsylvania, was in a disagreement, ended up going on Facebook and making threats to his wife and other members of the community. And he did so on Facebook. And it was even in the form of song lyrics. And it was basically violent threats made. This person was an aspiring musician, but made these threats. And I believe it or not, the FBI caught on to these threats and investigated this man. And he was charged with five counts on a federal indictment of an anti-threat statute and the U.S. federal code for criminal law. And he was convicted. And he took his case all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United States, the lower courts that rule. And, and his defense was that I didn't mean these as threats. This is my art. This is self-expression. Whether or not he meant it or, or not, it doesn't much matter. The fact is, is that the case was so serious and treated so seriously that it made it up to the Supreme Court on the basis of what he said on social media being construed by others as a violent threat. Ultimately, the court determined that you have to consider all the circumstances and the factors, whether determining if someone is making an actual legitimate threat or not. One of those factors is the impact it has on the affected or the, the person who's been targeted by the threat. But ultimately, there's other factors to consider as well. We're talking about Facebook song lyrics leading to a FBI investigation and federal indictment. If that is not a serious example of what social media can do when it comes to these threats, I don't know what is. Another example, there's a Massachusetts man who went to Twitter. I don't know if it was a joke. I don't know if he was frustrated or if it was a political statement. But his exact tweet was, I am broke, but will scrounge and literally give $500 to anyone who kills an ICE agent. ICE being immigration and customs enforcement. Obviously, terrible joke. Not in good taste. We don't want to talk like that. But... It got to the point that he was charged federally because of those statements. And, and it's easy for us to say, hey, just don't say these bad things. But we don't think of social media as maybe being treated the same as direct contact with another person. Nonetheless, our Massachusetts man on Twitter was charged and ultimately convicted for a terroristic threats offense. I think pragmatically it's important for me as a legal practitioner to talk about how I see this. And the way that I see it most is young people 
whether it's naivety, whether it's youthful ignorance, it's always the same. It's high school age, college age, maybe a little older. It's my group has beef with your group. I have beef with you. After school on Friday, I'm going to I'm going to kick your ass, whatever. But this is via social media. This is on Snapchat or Instagram or Discord. I had to learn what Discord was uh, as a matter of these cases. And what is prior to social media, just a high school beef is now being charged criminally at a felony level. It's a really serious issue. We see it all the time. And there's a heightened sensitivity now, and I think rightfully so, with gun violence, with the the current political climate, with school shootings and things that are taking such a stronghold over our nation. If you're making any threat of any use of a weapon or violence, whether it's towards a school, another individual, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, law enforcement, they have a due diligence to take that seriously. We can hardly blame them, but you do not want to be charged with a felony because you basically talked shit to somebody online. And so we really want to try to avoid that. If there's ever a moral to our discussion, it's obviously easy for me to say, step away from the keyboard. It's easy for me to say, don't let your emotions escalate to the point that you're saying violent things on social media or via text because those words, they can be interpreted in ways or to extents that you could maybe never intend, but nonetheless, you say something a day, a week, a month later, you have law enforcement knocking on your door to arrest you on a warrant for criminal threats or terroristic threats. It's terrifying, but it is a very, very strong reality. So as simple as it is, stay calm. If you're angry on social media, know that you're not protected by the veil of online communications. There's no anonymity. It's a screenshot, an identification of an IP address, somebody walking your Twitter thread into local law enforcement police station, and all of a sudden you're charged with this offense. So the rule of thumb that I like to apply to it is... Do not say anything to anyone else on social media that you would not say if a law enforcement officer was standing right next to you in person. Because for what it's worth, that's the reality that we're in with screenshots and reposts. And even if things are deleted, law enforcement are basically looking over our shoulder with every single social media post or interaction that we have. So you got to be really careful and be really cognizant of everyone is watching. Nothing is private. And, you know, we can't say violent things, especially when it's archived and memorialized in the form of online social media posts. So obviously we we don't want to be making threats to anyone under any circumstances. And as we described, statutes are more and more including social media communications. I would never advise anyone to threaten anyone under any circumstances. But in the current climate of social media, you are legitimately better off threatening someone in person. So just drive to their house and threaten them that way. As opposed to social media, it'll make our jobs as attorneys at least a little bit easier than just writing it on their Facebook. Jokes aside, uh, we don't want to threaten anyone, but in all seriousness, social media is not the place to do it. If you guys have any comments, questions, any of your own experiences you'd like to discuss, you can reach out to our firm on any of our social media platforms. You can ask for Austin. That's me. I'd talk to you about this 
stuff. I think it's great. I wish you all the best. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Off the Record. Don't forget to share and also subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Want to ask a question on a future episode? We'd love to hear from you. So email us at offtherecordpodcasts at criminalattorney.com. Follow us on Instagram at Imhoff Associates or send us a tweet at Criminal News. Until next time, the defense rests.